Hello and welcome to my podcast, Breadcrumbs. This is your host, Ashley, aka Ash Kitten. And today we are actually going to be talking about CFS, also known as ME, which uh, chronic fatigue syndrome is CFS, and ME is myalgic encephalomyelitis. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> um, so there are millions of people in this country who have CFS, also known as ME. And yet, there is not a lot of funding for research on anything. We don't have answers. We don't know how we even got it, why we got it. I can say that I honestly know that I've had it since childhood. Um, I've always pushed past it, and I've always really just just thought of, of myself as you know, just maybe I'm just tired, but there were just so many times in my life where being so tired held me back that I can't deny that I've had these symptoms since I was a child. I remember thinking when I was younger that, (laughs) this is crazy, but I remember thinking that uh, maybe when I was sleeping, in my dreams, I was going so far away from my body that it would take so much energy to get back that when I got back, it felt like I had traveled so far. It felt like I had ran a marathon when I woke up from a full night's sleep. I don't even think in my whole life, or at least from what I remember of my life at a very young age, that I've ever had a restful sleep. I've never woken up feeling refreshed. Sometimes I hear people saying that and yawning and saying, oh, I feel so refreshed. And I'm like, is that a thing? Is that real? How do I get that? Um, I remember also thinking crazy things like maybe a witch cast a spell on me and filled my body with rocks. (laughs) I was young. Um, Or that little gremlins were sneaking in the middle of the night and draining energy from my body. Um, as I got older, I, I kind of normalized it and justified it and believed that maybe everybody has this struggle. Maybe I'm just a wuss and I'm not good at handling this amount of tired. I'd fall asleep in class and like I said, a full night's sleep and still falling asleep in school and it got me in trouble, of course. Um, Teachers would just think that I didn't care or that I wasn't getting enough sleep. My parents would set an earlier bedtime and I would go to bed at an earlier bedtime and still wake up feeling like I had ran a million miles. When I first wake up, I can't even describe the feeling. It's like I can't move my body. I have to stare at the ceiling for a while just to convince my body to move. Once I begin moving, I feel as if I'm, that there is a a force of resistance against my body 
that as I move, that there is something actually trying to hold me back as I move. So when I step out of bed, it's one of the hardest things that I have to do in the day. But I do, and I push through because I'm a mom. And I have so many other things in my life that I care about, like my podcast, like all of you, like so many things in my life I I care about and I want to live my life and I try and I push through and I continue pushing through every day that I can. Some days I just can't. Some days I just lay there and I just stare at the ceiling. I can't, I can't convince my body to move. And I try, but it doesn't work. Those days, I like to think of as recharging days. I never can get my body to 100%. It's like having a phone that just won't get to 100% no matter how much you charge it. It may get to 20% and that's it. That's all you have to work with for all day. Imagine how much of a task that would be. That if you had to carry your phone around after only charging it for 20% and not being allowed to charge it until nighttime, how would you use that 20%? Some of us have less. Some of us have and function only on 5%. Some of us can't function enough to talk or get out of bed. There's so much little known about this illness. It disgusts me because there's so many people who have it and it's it's doctors and and researchers and congress and government that have turned a blind eye toward it. For a long time, for many years, it was considered psychosomatic. Like it's all in our head. But I know it's not all in my head. I know I can't be imagining this because it's like imagining your worst nightmare and then pushing through it. I push through it every single time that I can. Why would I imagine this on myself? And why would millions of others imagine the same exact symptoms? Symptoms that can't be explained but correlate for some reason. A great majority of us don't know why, but we have an alcohol intolerance. And not just an intolerance. It's not just someone being a little lightweight, you know. You take somebody to get a couple of drinks and, oh, they're tipsy by the second drink. I can have half of a glass no I can have a quarter of a glass of wine and feel tipsy but it's not that that's the worst effect I get violently sick almost as if I'd had alcohol poisoning but a half or a quarter of a glass of wine that sounds ridiculous I drink too much that doesn't make any sense And doctors, they just 
don't really understand. They diagnose people with depression, which I've been diagnosed with too many times to count. And the people who know me in my personal life know that I am so positive and I always look at the bright side and I'm always clinging to that little bit of hope, if there is any. I create hope in a desert of nothingness. If I can't find hope, I search for it. Or create it myself, even. I'm not the kind of person that's depressed. I will say it is depressing me. It is making me sad because I can't move. Because I have to choose between taking a shower or making a sandwich. <laughs> because my 20% is all I have to work with. It's like having to choose on your phone that's at 20%, whether to make a phone call or text someone. You can't just use it however you want. You have to be very, very easy with it because if you go over that amount that you know that's all you have, your body will pay. And that's like going negative in bank account because you don't have it to begin with, but your body still does it. I've experienced this many times on times when I just want to be a mom. I take my children to the park and I know, I know running around with them and playing with them and experiencing life with them, having fun with them is going to cost me. But I do it anyway. Sometimes it gets me through the bad days because I remember all the good things. But on days when I push myself, I know, I know, I know how bad it's going to cost me. Sometimes days, sometimes weeks. I've never gotten into months. But there are many who have. There are many whose bodies have made it into years of having to recover from just going outside, just walking to the mailbox. People don't understand because we don't look sick. We can take pictures of ourselves and we don't look like we have an illness. Some of us are unkempt and choose not to brush our hair because our arms will hurt after a few times of running the brush through our hair. That's me. When I brush my hair, I have to make that choice that day and sacrifice something else. Most of the time I have my hair up, especially since it's gotten worse. Stress makes it worse. I try not to take on much stress. I try not to even think about stressful things and that's helped a lot because I think my positivity has actually kept me from being bedridden. 
So many people don't know about this illness. And it's a shame. It's a shame that doctors turn people away in the emergency room because their blood tests come back perfect. Your heart's great. You're in great condition. You just need exercise. That's what they'll say. Unfortunately, a lot of doctors have prescribed exercise as the cure. And that has caused many to be in the bedridden state that they are in now. They call it graded physical exercise. But to us, to us it's torture. It's not that I don't want to run, because I do. I do, I wanna run and I wanna feel free, but I've never been able to run. I hurt if I run, and not only do I hurt if I run, but I feel as if I'm going to die. My body gives out. I remember in school, quite a few times, I passed out in PE. Now, when I was younger, running to the backstop was um, what we had to do in PE, and we did it once a week. Um, we're allowed to choose to walk. We were allowed to choose to walk. Um, but then there were times when they just really didn't want us to walk, and they really, really, really were on us about running it. So... With knowing what I know now, I know how I was punishing myself by doing these exercises and how days after I would feel. But back then I couldn't understand and I couldn't wrap my head around it. I can run now and it will feel like I'm dying, but I can slowly get back up and continue my day. But then when I wake up in the morning, I won't be able to move. It's almost like having the flu because your body aches when you have the flu, your arms hurt, your legs hurt, you're achy all over. And you don't have very much energy because your immune system is fighting off that flu as hard as it can. Some researchers, very few, and the researchers that we have are actually people who have literally made it their goal to try to find out as much as they can about this illness because they've been affected by somebody by it. But the government doesn't provide much money for research, so we have to go out and find money and get people to donate. Unlike many of the other diseases out there, there's no room for us in the government funding. They don't see it as an illness, although it is. And it is a true diagnosis in a medical handbook. You can look it up. It's called myalgic encephalomyelitis. But for a long time, it was called chronic fatigue syndrome. And because it went by that name, it got laughed at and scoffed at. Who would pay money, even the government, to 
an illness that just says, oh, I'm tired all the time. It doesn't do it justice. When I tell the doctor I'm tired, they don't see it. They don't understand. I'm not just saying, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm just a little, I'm tired. I've had a long day. I am barely able to function as a human being. Sometimes when I do my podcasts, I'm laying down. And that's because the energy just to sit in an upright position is sometimes too much. And I have to choose where my energy goes because I only have so many, so much percent to go on. So, so many things that I want to do because I love doing my art and I haven't been able to do that for a while. Um, I also love to sing and that takes a lot of energy. But I still do it sometimes because it's part of my soul. And some days I choose to spend my some of my percentage of energy on singing and sacrificing other things. It sucks that I have to make those choices. It sucks that I have to physically fight my own body to live. And there are so many things that we don't know about this illness that can be researched and discovered in research. There's so many of us that would be willing test subjects, test me. Let me, just let me have some, some early treatments that you think might work. And if they don't work, that's okay because we're one step closer to finding an answer. If they do work, then that would be amazing. I'm taking CBD oil. It's okay. It helps a little bit. Um, I have tingles in my back a lot. Sometimes it's a little bit of pain. The most pain that I get is from my arms and legs and just moving in general. Um, but my back always feels like there's little electrodes just popping on my muscles just all the time. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable. Not always painful. But the CBD oil has subsided that somewhat. And um, so it, there is some differences. And I've noticed that on days where I'm feeling as if tomorrow I'm just going to crash and I'm going to be in bed all day, that I still have 10% to go on instead of zero. So... Right now, CBD oil is just slightly improving my quality of life, but it's not enough. And the treatments that doctors say help don't help, so let's find some real answers. Let's find some treatments. May 5th through 12th, this year, 2019, is a stand, worldwide stand, for this illness because millions of people suffer Hashtag millions missing and you will see 
all the people who suffer and all the people who are not getting answers. We deserve answers. We deserve some government funding to this illness. Some testing, some research. There's not even a definitive test for it. Which is sad because so many of us, we have the same symptoms but, and we have the technology. We have the technology to make holograms, but we don't have answers for this illness because we don't have funding. The government needs to pay attention to us. They need to see us. They need to know that we're there. Many of us can't get out of bed and go to these functions, these um, visual protests. I'm one that I will go and I will speak for all of those who are in bed and can't move. And it'll cost me, but I don't care. I'll be in bed for days after, but I don't care because it's worth it. It's worth it to go out and fight for something that you believe in. My quality of life is that of somebody with congenital heart disease. And it's not that there just hasn't been enough time to figure out the answers. There have been no real quality research studies done funded by the government in order to find these answers. They put us off when we go and talk to Congress and different representatives and say, just give us time. But we don't want, we don't have time. Time is passing us by, days go by sometimes and we don't even know what day it is because sometimes when I'm laying there, I'm slipping in and out of consciousness. I go to sleep, I wake up, I go to sleep, I wake up, but I can't fight myself to stay awake. Now, many of you have experienced that when you haven't slept for two or three days or maybe even gone longer without sleep. You're fighting your body in heavy eyelids and you're just like, all right, I am going to collapse if I don't get sleep. But that is how we live each and every single day of our lives. And some days that sleep gets hold of us and we can't fight it. And we have to sleep. We don't want to. I don't want to sleep my life away. Sometimes I just try to keep myself moving. Little by little, I pace myself so that I'm moving so I'm not falling asleep. But again, that takes energy and it takes away from things that I really want to do. So very hard to live like this and it would mean a lot to me anybody who's listening to this if you would look up this illness get involved with me action uh, hashtag me action and hashtag millions missing and may 5th through may 12th especially may 12th is 
the day the days of protest visual protest you don't have to go to an event you can take a picture and just say that you support the people who have me or that you want to speak for people who don't have a voice that's fine but we need as many people rallying this as we can it's worldwide no matter what country you're in it's being celebrated and the events are going to be held the closest one to me unfortunately is in atlanta georgia and i don't have the energy nor the time nor the money to make it up there so i'm going to have to do a visual protest as well um i'm making it known on my podcast so others can join me and maybe we can get the word out and enough people in power to just turn funding over to get us research, get us answers. There's only $3.5 million a year dedicated to this illness. That sounds like a lot. But then we realize that it's broken down and it doesn't all go to the illness. It goes to other illnesses similar. There's fibromyalgia. There's... Um, actually quite a few different illnesses that are considered in our category of illnesses and that 3.5 million gets distributed among all of those illnesses. So 3.5 million sounds like a lot, but dispersed and then for as much as research would cost, it's not enough. When we know that even allergies, which is not a disease, but a condition that is livable, treatable, and has over-the-counter medication to help people, is getting twice as much money and research as this illness. I don't even want to tell you how much money is going into AIDS research and justly so. These are, that is a disease that is killing people, but so is this disease. Many people actually commit suicide. That is our number one cause of death with this illness. And many reasons are because we've lost Some of us got it as children and never got to live life like me. But I still, I try to live it in every facet and every way that I can. And some of us, some of us had a life. Some of us had a wonderful life. There are people who were rock climbers. There were people who were scuba divers. There were people who were doctors. There were people who were lawyers. There were people who just want their life back. And sadly, there's no answers. Why can't we just have answers? There's also a lack of education to doctors. So of course, people with this illness feel left out and outcast because even doctors have a hard time believing us. If you get diagnosed, you're lucky. You're among the lucky. Because many will get misdiagnosed as it being psychosomatic 
or even depression when we all know that this this is the reason that we have depression because we've lost everything we've lost our families my children want a mom they love me and I love them and my 11 year old really understands me he cries with me sometimes when it's really bad days and he's so helpful he'll go and get me things out of the refrigerator or make me a sandwich he'll he'll turn the light off when I say this light is just killing my eyes because we have problems with sensory issues sometimes it's sound sometimes it's light on our eyes but it just feels like having the worst hangover of your life but every day some days are better than others but if you only make it to 20% how is that living And then, of course, we have to account for those days where we don't even make it to 20%. But even a full night's sleep didn't charge us to 20%. And we are just paying for whatever we did the day before or even the day before that in physical exertion. We have to plan things so far ahead of time and save up our energy to do things. It's funny because my ex would always be like, why does it take you so long to get out of the car? And he would just like think it's just the weirdest thing ever. Among all of the symptoms, he would always not understand. That was one that he really didn't understand was the fatigue. It's because I had to convince my body to move again because I was sitting and sitting was better than standing and moving. I had to save energy and literally convince myself to get out of the car. Other people just looked at it as slow or lazy. Many would just think that it's for attention. Many still have that stigma placed on this illness. But I'm not lazy. I push through. And it hurts when people think that I'm just giving minimum effort when I'm giving it all I've got. People think that, oh, she could just do so much more. And I am pushing with every fiber of my being to just live The symptoms have gotten much worse, I think, because I've really just been trying to live and do things. And I think that doing so has, has depleted more of my energy and I am working with less now than I was even when I was younger. 
I would say that over time, I would say when I was a kid, I was working with maybe 50%. Then as I got older, it decreased and decreased. And I think I met it on a good day at 20%. And when I was a kid on a good day, I was at 50%. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily make it to 0% very often when I was a kid. But I wouldn't get to play, run around like all the other kids. I was always the kid watching, watching the other kids play, thinking, oh, that looks fun. I could walk. My arms and legs were sore, but they're nothing like they are now. Now I wake up and I think that my body's been set on fire. It feels, though, as if it has. And as many people that face this illness, most of them don't really talk about it because the second we talk about our symptoms, most people think that we're lazy, crazy, or stupid. And it's hard. We just want to appear normal. So we do push through. Some of us have working jobs. Some of us do work. And I used to work. I don't now. I can't now. I think I was working too hard, which is crazy because most people didn't really think that I was putting enough effort in Although I give everything my 100% best in creativity and effort, the physical effort um, is a hard thing. And still I give everything that I can and dedicate everything I can to things that are most important to me. And my children and work was very important to me. And the people that I love, very important to me. Um, I save energy for things like baby showers. It's funny because many people just, ah, got a baby shower this weekend, I'm going. You know, me, I'm like, okay, I have a baby shower this weekend. So that means I have to really take it easy this whole week. I have to make sure that I don't overexert myself. And even when I go to that baby shower, I know that I'm going to pay for it. I know that the next day, I'm going to be hurting, not wanting to get out of bed. And it's worth it because I love my friends and I love my family. And anything that has to do with my kids, I'm there. It doesn't matter if my son is, or my, my daughter had a choir concert and, um, it took everything in me to go because I was having a really bad crash day. And I even, I even considered just having somebody Facebook live it, but I don't want to be an absent mom. I want to be the best mom that I can be because that's what my kids deserve. So of course I pushed through it, but it's not in my head. It's not that I'm putting in minimal effort. 
it's not that I'm stupid. And it's not that I'm trying to be disrespectful in any way of other people, of other hardworking people who don't have this illness, but do have a long day and get tired. I'm not trying to disrespect you. I'm trying to get people to understand what this illness has cost and what this illness does to people. And I just want answers. We all do. It would mean a lot and so much if you could just learn about this illness. Just Google it. Wikipedia. Um, myalgic encephalomyelitis is spelled M-Y-A-L-G-I-C-E-N-C-E-P-H-O. L-O-M-Y-A-L-I-T-S. It's crazy that this disease has the craziest name and started out with a ridiculous name, chronic fatigue syndrome. Like, what were you trying to do to us? <laughs> Just, But I want to take a moment to... To commemorate all the people who have killed themselves because they felt lost and alone and God knows I've been there. Um, they felt that they'll never get answers. It felt that everything was taken from them and that feel that they're not believed or understood. And I just I just want to pray for their families and pray for the families that are going through this, the caregivers of those who are bedridden. You are the world. You are amazing. And all the people who care enough to even just spread awareness, post it on your Facebook, it can't hurt you. Spreading awareness is what is going to really cause an impact and now that we have social media and all these tools to get our voices heard we are going to be heard so if you are organizing an event and it is close to the tampa area i will attend i can't organize when i don't have the energy um, usually it's well people who organize the events, caregivers and such, um, and then we just attend because that's all the energy we have in us to do. Um, and ME um, awareness, ME, um, what else? Hashtag ME awareness, ha hashtag ME action, hashtag millions missing. Um, these are all places that you can find ways to contribute, if not money, because I understand not many of us have that. Um, we're looking to the government to try to provide that. We need the government to step up and do its job in funding this illness. Um, funding this 
the research for this illness and getting us help. But if you can't donate to the cause, which is fine, then at least just post something on your Facebook or on your social media sites. A video, um, there's so many of us that just want our voices heard. There's a girl who wrote a song and it makes me cry every time I hear the song. Um, and it's called, uh, Can You Hear Me Now? Can You See Me Now? Can You See Me? I think it's called Can You See Me Now? But it is hashtagged um, with millions missing. You'll find other people who have made artwork. Um, all these things, there's YouTube videos you can share. Just share something with someone. Tell someone about it. Because there are people who are in power that can do something about it. And just by sharing it with somebody and just having them tell you that they will share it too, we're spreading awareness. And we can spread it to the right people and to the people who can do something about it. There's so many... <laughs> There's so many symptoms to this illness that I can't even start because we'll end up with a two hour long or longer podcast. Um, but I can tell you that the extreme fatigue to the point of not being able to function, post-exertion malaise, which is um, body being, uh, having to recover in... Um, in going into a very low energy, extremely low energy state, worse than normal extreme fatigue, which is still a low energy state, but basically being just out for the count is post-exertion malaise. And um, that's what happens when you exercise or exert any energy. For some, it's just going to the mailbox. For some, it's just taking a walk around the block. For some, it's just going out in public. For some, sadly, it's as small as just washing their hair and it makes you not be able to function and your body only sustains enough energy just for you to live and you're in your own head and that's it. You can't move your arms, you can't move your legs, you're just in your own head. You may be able to roll a little bit if you're lucky on those days, but not likely. Um... On other days, still not enough energy to get the main things that you need to get done. And it's just not a way of life. Um, my personal symptoms, because they differ, they're, they across the board are very similar. Many have the same symptoms, but um, some have more symptoms than others. One of my biggest symptoms is headaches. Uh, extreme fatigue, post-exertional malaise, uh, tingles up and down my spine and my back, the base of my neck, my arms and limbs feeling like they've been through a wood chipper. Um, I always used to say I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck as soon as I wake up in the morning. Um, I have the swollen lymph nodes, which does indicate infection as told by doctors, but yet they can't find anything. <laughs> Funny, right? 
Um, what else? Um, I have muscle weakness. I can't hold my phone up for very long without feeling like I've been lifting weights all day and my arms are just exhausted and literally will give out if I hold something up too long. I, I just can't. Um, my legs the same, they can't hold me up too long. So I have to constantly, frequently uh, take rest periods and sit and lay. And um, Even sitting in an upright position takes too much energy. So as many times as I can, I lay in a reclined position. Um, a lot of time that's how I do my podcasts or my art. Um, try to still be a part of life and contribute to life as much as I can. Um, Many people have the question, well, you used to work full-time. How did you do that if you had this illness since you were a kid? And my answer is um, resting every day off. Unfortunately, being that person that calls out quite frequently, trying not to, or going in later, Telling your boss, like, I just need more time to gain energy to get up. Um, that's how I did it. But I feel like every time that I've worked somewhere that my bosses especially would see the maximum energy put in that I could and that, it, that I was really giving it my all and that it wasn't uh, just looking like minimum effort because... When I worked at Geek Squad, I would be the top sales girl, you know, and I, um, because I would dedicate myself to success, I, I would do everything that I could, and um, they knew that I wasn't just, like, whenever I was like, I just have to sit down, they really didn't say a whole lot, um, because I think they knew that you know, I'm not just sitting down because I'm trying to be lazy and not work. I'm sitting down because if I stand up too much longer, I'm going to pass out. And several times at different jobs, I've passed out and um, ambulance has been called. And the funny thing is, I was also anemic because um, this is also a running uh, uh, thing with this illness is that many of us are also anemic um, and Really, it looks, and, and I've studied a lot of this illness and the symptoms and um, even diseases that mirror it, and it looks like an immune disorder. It almost is, is, is as if, and I'm not a doctor, but it is almost as if we got the flu because many of us started out with the flu, and it is funny because I remember being really, really sick when I was a kid, having a really, really high fever and hallucinating and um, and just having the worst like flu experience of my life as a kid and um, just remembering every little bit of it. I remember um, tossing and turning in my bed, my arms and legs being hurting and this fever, just feeling like it, my brain was going to explode out of my head um, and and all of these things um, at such a young age just really, really um, was a, 
a very visual image for me as an adult to look back on and it could be at that moment that I got it. I don't remember exactly where it started because it was so young. I didn't know what normal every day-to-day energy was. So, and I didn't have it as bad as I do now. So, just saying I'm tired as a kid is is not a, enough for someone to look into something. Um, I did have terrible, terrible leg pain. Um, sometimes and my parents would call it growing pains, but then my arms would hurt and they would call it growing pains. Um, so, and I really don't know the answers for that because again, they haven't done enough research into this. But um, I do know that I have um, I have many um, symptoms that correlate with other people who also have been diagnosed, and um, so I explain most a lot of them. Um, another one is brain fog, and that is probably the most embarrassing one because I do things that aren't just like people like, oh, that was just a dumb blonde moment or something. I'm sitting in my car fighting sleep because anytime I'm driving, my body is in a a semi-relaxed state and I'm not physically moving. So it wants to just automatically just collapse into sleep. Um, so I'm always fighting sleep after roll down the windows, turn up the radio, have a drink. I always have a drink on me or something to keep, you know, keep my, um, eyes awake. Um, but when I'm driving, my brain, not always when I'm driving, this is anytime I experience brain fog, but my brain goes into this almost like, um, dull state where people can talk and it's like, wah, 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 wah like on Charlie Brown. And I have to really pay attention to words and reform them in my head and try to comprehend what people are saying, um, which is really embarrassing because I like to be articulate. I like to express myself and I also like to understand what other people are saying um, and being articulate. So it it's insane when I feel that way, I'm like, oh my God, I, I feel stupid. I feel like I, the words that I say sound stupid. I don't even have correct grammar all the time when I have brain fog or I can't think of things. And it's not just one of those, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, I can't think of it. What is the name of that movie? It's like, um, the sign, the, the, um, the red sign, the, uh, you mean the stop sign? Yes. Yes. The the sign that you have to stop at. Yes. That's what I mean. And everyone's like, is this person retarded? <laughs> like, is this person mentally unstable? I don't understand. Um, and then other times I'm like, let's talk about Robert Frost or <laughs> Freudian. Let's talk about Sigmund Freud and and the psychoanalyze this and they're just like a minute ago or not a minute because it's usually periods of brain fog or last long time so more like uh yesterday you were not even able to say what a stop sign was so i don't understand um by the way just so you know uh the toddler in the background crying 
or screaming for me is because she's supposed to be down for a nap and I'm setting my boundaries. I'm not going in there and catering to that because she needs a nap and she needs to have a nap. So that is why you hear, ah, ah. Um, I'm almost done here, um, but um, I just want to, oh, and I was talking about the brain fog. See, like, this isn't brain fog though, this is just normal me. Um, so the brain fog, I'll be driving and speaking of stop sign, I'll use this example. I'll be sitting at a stop sign and sitting there and then I hear a honk behind me and I'm like, dude, it hasn't turned green yet. And then I have to think about what I just said. I'm like, wait a minute, stop signs don't turn green. It's stop lights that turn green. Oh my God, he's honking at me for, to, for me to go and I need to go now. I look like an idiot. That is what goes through my brain on brain fog. Um, another instance is um, where I'm talking to my daughter who's five years old and I am asking a five-year-old to repeat herself because even though she's five, she's extremely smart. And sometimes her her sentence structures are really well structured and the sentences coming out of my mouth sound like they're coming from a three-year-old because I'm like hungry food want she's like mom I don't understand what you're saying I think that you're saying are you hungry do you want food but I don't understand if that's what you mean. And I'm like, oh geez. <laughs> My five-year-old just out articulated the crap out of me, but okay. <laughs> so it's just, our brains just don't function. Another instance, and it's always with driving that I think is the worst for me because other times I just ignore it. <laughs> I'm like, oh well, I just didn't sound smart. But with driving, it's scary to me because I don't want to fall asleep driving and I don't want to the brain fog to affect my driving, and it has. I'll have to constantly check myself on rules of the road. Like, is it the yellow line or the red? I mean, see, here I go. Oh my God. Is it the yellow line or the white line that divides oncoming traffic? Um, or is it we're going in the same direction traffic? Um, so I have to look if it's at night, it's harder because there's not many cars on the road. So I, I always stay in the right lane until I see a car. Um, only when I have brain fog though, because I do know that in the white lane that you can have two cars going in the same direction, obviously, or in the white line. If it's dotted, you can cross. If it's solid, you can't. These are things that I know, um, regularly, but when it comes to the brain fog, it is like it takes me down to a very low level of functioning thinking and I am just not articulate. I can't problem solve. I can't think. And 
a lot of things become overwhelming. Sounds become overwhelming. Um, light becomes overwhelming. Just a lot of things just overwhelm my senses. And I just feel like, I, I just feel a mess. I feel like I, I could just melt into a puddle of noodles on the ground. Um, but that's the brain fog that I experience. Um, and I told you guys about the aches and pains in my body. Um, pretty much I've described it really well. Um, there is also, you know, some digestion issues that are related. Um, there, there's just so many things going on with this illness that it needs, it needs attention. So if you listening to this could care enough to pay attention just for one day, May 5th through May 12th, one of those days, just pick any of those days, just one of those days, just spend the day kind of reaching out to people or even, you know, what would be awesome. Even if you just reach out to someone who has it and tell them it's okay. And you understand because like I said, number one killer of this disease is suicide. And there's so many people that don't have anybody who understands so if you can find someone who has it through the hashtag believe me, um, that's one of the hashtags that many of the people with this illness use um, where they're laying in bed and they have a picture of themselves in a crashed state. Um, they post it on Instagram and things like that. If you reach out to someone who has it and just tell them that it's okay, you're praying for them or that you're thinking about them or that they are not invisible and that they will be heard, their voices will be heard and they will be recognized. That would just mean the world to me. Um, if you can do something on March 12th or do something about the uh, millions missing, that would be amazing. Um, all right, you'll get a snack in a minute. You didn't, all right, go on, go in there. I'll be out there in just a minute. I promise, literally one minute. You can time me, okay? Hug and kiss. Hug and kiss? Okay. Hug and kiss too. Okay. Hug and kiss. Um. Mm. All right. Give me one minute, okay? I promise. Your lips are wet. My lips are wet. Yes. Dry. Mine are dry and red and a little chapped. Um, but go in there, okay? I have one minute, one minute. Um, if you can do anything possible for millions missing, Emmy, anything, write a letter. Um, there's lots of petitions that you can sign. Um, if you just look into it, there's a lot you can do. So just please, please care and try and understand that millions of us go through it, but a lot of us can't speak for ourselves we, we don't have the energy to. So having other people out there fight this with us, it just means the world. Um, so spread love, light, positivity, and thank you so much for listening. Um, I will try to upload as soon as I can. It's been few and far between now, and I understand that. I'm working on it. Um, but with this illness, it just takes a lot of me out of me 
and my kids deserve the best of me, although you guys do as well. So um, I will be trying to post as frequently as I can. Thank you so much. You guys have been so awesome to me and supportive. Bye.